Welcome to another edition of the Metaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 41. The Metaverse Podcast is made possible by listeners and viewers like you. Help support the show and the creation of more, better content by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. As a patron, you get early access to the show before anyone else, shoutouts on upcoming episodes, and access to a weekly Google Hangout with me where you can ask questions about building a game store, creating the podcast, or whatever you like. Patreon.com slash Podcast. Join the Maniverse community by becoming a patron today. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I have with me... Travis Perry, the owner of the Nerd Shop, the Nerd Store, the Nerd Store, Nerd Store, Nerd Store. Why the Nerd Store? Why, the why, why the name? Um, the plan originally was actually a much broader selection, and may still be in the future a much broader selection of products that included electronics and robotics and possibly cosplay and and so it's more generic it also doesn't tie me into something if you know when i first opened the store i was looking at used video games and new video games and video game systems were this was just before xbox one came out and ps4 and the whole future of video games seemed very uncertain and I realized that tying myself to a name that identified me as board games or comics or something meant that when it changed, that either the name no longer reflected what the store was or the product no longer reflected something that was viable. Yeah, thinking about the future, trying to hedge your bets. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how did you get into board gaming to tabletop stuff? What's your past history with that before you open the store? So I had a friend that told me about a board game group that he used to go to at um, his local game store. And I turned to him and I said, oh, like Monopoly and Risk? And he kind of just gave me the, you know, board yeah. gamer, like, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and so I showed up and I played a couple different games and it was stuff I had never heard of, and it was awesome. And I think I went back. I mean, there was a period in time where I didn't get to go because, you know, kids and whatnot. I went back almost every week for a couple of years, and I played something like 400 board games, and very few of them did I ever play a second time. Um, the group included some of the largest board game collections in the country, so I was very fortunate in that everything was new every week. Um, so that, that totally got me hooked. I love board games. That's still my thing. You know, there are a lot of stores that start through Magic, you know, Magic players that decide they want to open their own shop and whatnot. I actually started playing Magic just before I opened the store. Board games was the thing that I had been doing for a long time. That was the, uh, the gateway drug, board games. Yeah. So it was kind of a... A reaction to something that you found out that you really, really enjoyed, you really loved, and you thought that, hey, maybe there's a business opportunity here? Um, actually, I was looking at changing hobbies a little bit. I wanted to start doing electronics and robotics, mm -hmm. and this frustrated my wife <laughs> um, as we didn't have money for all of my nerd hobbies as, as was, and she kind of was like, you know, you just need a one-place stop for all your nerd hobbies. And I'm like, that's a really that's good nice. idea. So that was, it was actually me wanting to get into electronics, which I never did, that uh, got me the store because that's when I realized there was, there was an opportunity in all of these things because there were other people like me that jumped around from hobby to hobby in all of these uh, unique niche markets, I guess. Okay. So uh, how long has the store been open? Been open two and a half years now. All right, and how did the uh, the first how did the first couple of days go? Like, what uh, what was that opening process like? Um, don't value sleep. <laughs> um, the week well, actually, about the two weeks before I opened and the week after I opened, I did close to 120 hours uh, 
a week at the store. Um, the opening day, you know, we ran into our usual hiccups. The point of sale system decided not to work with me. The credit card processing machine decided not to work with me. But I, I had a very good day. Um, we actually did a few thousand dollars in sales on opening day, which I know a lot of stores don't. Not enough to cover the costs of advertising that I put into opening, but it was definitely the right start for the uh, store. Um, and at the end of the day, I think I cried. <laughs> Actually, I think I cried at the beginning of the day when the credit card processor went down. I was just so exhausted. But lock that door and just <laughs> finally over. So that sounds like it was a pretty good opening. What was your pre-launch process? Like you said, you did a lot of advertising. I did. Um, created a Facebook page for a store a few months before I opened and I was doing regular updates on that. I marketed it heavily. Um, it really helped that we were the first comic book store in our area because mm -hmm. I think we got a lot of traction off of that. Um, we did an every door direct mailer. Um, I'd send out thousands of postcards to, to people. Um, we did an art show opening. We had live music from a couple of different bands. Um, it was definitely a lot of marketing beforehand um, to get it all working. Okay, that sounds pretty intense, but uh, ultimately it paid off, right? That's the kind of created the snowball effect. Yeah, I mean, I remember because, you know, Facebook allows you to do the analytics and about three weeks before start store open, you could just see this spike as uh, the store got more and more and more likes. Um, by the time I opened the store, I had more likes than any of the, you know, next four closest stores to me mm -hmm. um, just because of the hype that was behind it as well as the marketing on it. Sounds like a good way to start. Yeah. Uh, definitely some luck in there. I can't, I can't attribute it to all skill, but you know. Well, a, a certain portion of business, there's always going to be some some there's, factor you can't control, right? There's always luck involved, good or bad. Yeah, one way or another. Well, it's a good thing that you had luck on your side. Yeah. So what was the uh, what were the first like six months? How was that time span like? What was the growth like with this explosive kind of opening that you had? Um, honestly, I actually kept to projections pretty well. Um, I spent a long time doing my business plan before I opened. I actually spent about a year and a half working on the business plan. And so I decent, ha had a decent idea of what to expect. Um, I opened in October. We had a decent Christmas. We, we had some good sales. Um, for being a brand new shop, we actually had a number of people that knew about us by that time. And so first six months were decent, a lot of hours. I think I was about four or five months in before I was not at the store for a period of time while it was open. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the way it goes, right? That's your, that's your baby. So you gotta be there. It, it was the weirdest experience in the world being at home, knowing that the store was open. And I don't think it was any less stressful because I wasn't there to watch it. But yeah, it gets easier though, right? It does. It yeah, does. Do now I can go away for like weeks at a time and only come back to small fires. <laughs> it helps when you can trust your employees to, to take does. care of things for you and hopefully fill your, fill the roles that you would have been able to, to do yourself. So you mentioned uh, the business plan, and this is a topic that we're going to go into a little more in-depth with, uh, with the guys in another episode, but uh, what did you do to get the information? Like, Where did you go to, to get the projections that you said that you, uh, you fit so well? Okay. My business plan, I probably took a more in-depth and maybe most, not most direct uh, route on this. Um, so I put together a business plan with some rough ideas based off just, you know, what I saw happening at my local game store and comic store. Mm -hmm. And I took it to the small business development center and handed them the plan. And they're like, well, this isn't what a business plan should look like. And they gave me a series of questions to ask and really started having me dig into things. And when I started digging in a little bit and saw 
some of the places that I was off. I think that that was really when I started really getting into it because I realized that if I was off on some things, I could be off on everything. Mm. And like a lot of small business owners, when I opened, it was literally everything I had went into this. Um, I had zero dollars in my bank account left when I was done. And so that kind of pressure, I needed to have things right. So I started breaking things down department by department. Um, I looked at how many times am I going to have magic events in my store every week? How much do I expect the average magic player to spend when they come in for draft? How much do I expect them to spend when they come in for standard? Um, How many Warhammer players do I expect to show up to my weekly event? How often do I expect them to buy something new? How much are they going to spend? How many sodas am I going to sell to each and every group? And I broke this down. I think I had something like 40 categories of games, um, graphic novels and comics that I had and toys and other things that I broke down dollar by dollar. I then accounted for um, growth during school year, um, depreci- you know, smaller sales during weeks like thanks- um, Thanksgiving with increased sales on Black Friday. I went through holidays, school schedules, and adjusted every single group up and down and added all of those numbers together. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the categories themselves were off, but for everyone that was over, another one was under, and it balanced out. So everything kind of held true for the first year or so? Um, 29 months in, I was as much as 2% short one month of my projected sales and as much as 25% over my projected sales on a different month. But yeah, for 29 months, I actually had a decent idea of what my sales were. That's pretty pretty excellent, I would think. I think that's one of the hardest things about building a business plan is the forecast, right? Because predicting what's going to happen two, three, four years or five years down the road for your business that doesn't even exist yet is pretty tricky. Yeah. And, you know, I went 29 months out. I just, you know, like I said, we're, we're two and a half years in. So I just barely passed that a few months ago, started rewriting business plan to project for the next few years, finding the time to put it together is much more difficult this time around. Yeah, I'm sure it is. That's like a whole other job on its own. And you've got the whole business run on top of that. So, okay. So let's go into the nerd store and kind of dig into it. So what is your shop known for? Like what's something that, uh, if one of your customers said, Oh, this is what they do. What what would they say? Um, so I think it's our weekly events, not our bigger events, but our regular events. Um, we have one of, actually, I think at this point we have the largest dice masters group in the state of Colorado. We have one of the largest, most competitive Pokemon groups that comes in. We have a healthy and strong Heroclix community. And it's, you know, not any big thing. I think it's all of those little things add together. Um, we do have some really, you know, some things that we try to do best of. We have probably the largest selection of dice in the state. We have, you know, a very... A huge selection of board games, one of the largest in the area, largest selection of graphic novels for 40 miles. You know, it's, but it's, I think it's the weekly events and the fact that there's always something happening here and that there's always something different and unique, but not necessarily the huge things, just the little things. So the day to day stuff, the small details that set you apart? Yeah. It's a good place to be. So what what does the competition look like for your area? Northern Colorado actually has some really great stores. Um, You know, within my town itself, the two stores that are directly competing with me, I would say from my travels to other areas are much better than the average game store. Um, And not to, I mean, maybe that's just me being snooty. Um, But Northern Colorado, maybe not be a Portland area level, but Haunted Game Cafe is out here and they're known for, um, they're known across the country. Totalscape Games is, you know, 50 miles from here. Um, Griffin Comics and Games, 
there's a lot of really good stores in the area. Um, we're mostly large stores. I'm 3,000 square feet on my main floor, 3,000 square feet in my game area. Uh, my biggest competition is in a 4,000 square foot space. Griffin's a 9,000 square foot space. Um, so it's not it's these little huge. tiny stores, and none of them are just magic. There's no magic-only stores. We all do magic and hero clicks and um, board games and X-Wing. Um, and then most of us do some other things on top of that. Those are some some big uh, big guys. It's a big crowd to be around. It is. And uh, the store that was in town when I opened didn't do comics. And they didn't do magic singles. So that's where I thought my my niche would be. The other big store that I was saying that's about 4,000 square feet or so, they opened actually a month after me. So we both kind of opened at the same time. Hmm probably not realizing the other person was there. I, well, you're making your plans for a year, right? Yeah. The other guy probably didn't even realize that you were also planning on that, but eh, that's the way it breaks. So did you start out with the, was the 3000 plus 3000 square footage? Like that's what your target was when you originally opening the store. You wanted something that large. I wanted something around 4,000 square feet. Um, I negotiated leases for a while, um, well, even while I was finishing up my business plan, you know, putting details on, I could have probably stopped my business plan six months earlier, but it was, the store wasn't open, so I was still micromanaging that. Um, I think we negotiated three or four different spaces before we negotiated this one, and I asked for, so my, my space was three different spaces. And then they divided it. And I asked for 4,000 square feet on the main floor. And they decided they couldn't do that. They couldn't cut into the spaces on either side. So they gave me the upstairs instead. So I ended up with a larger space on two floors for actually a better price. Interesting. Do you think that worked out better for you rather than one large piece? Like is the two floors, is that an advantage? It is a lot of times. I know that there's some issues i mean we've got we've got play space on both floors so that if somebody comes in and wants to participate in a game and can't make it upstairs we can move them downstairs um i still think that i have you know because my main space is up a flight of stairs i think i do still have some people that don't come in because of that um i know there's one of the magic players that would rather just go to competition than have the event moved downstairs, even though I've told him multiple times we would. Um, but I now have the largest game space in Colorado, which allows me to host anything and everything. You know, I never have to turn down an event or an opportunity because I have the space for it. Yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds pretty good. Sounds like that's working out pretty well for your business. So yeah, Nin- 99% good. 1% bad. <laughs> I'm sure it comes with its uh, own set of headaches. Yeah. Having the separation, right? Another space to manage that you can't have your eyes on all the time. Yeah. I, I rarely see what's happening up there. Um, of course, we don't have product up there, but yeah, it does lead to what happens up there is beyond my control. Mm. In the two and a half years that you've been open, what's the biggest success that you've had? What's the thing that you're most proud of? Most proud of? Biggest? I mean... Again, I'm going to go back to that, the day-to-day. You know, there hasn't been one huge thing that stood out above the rest, but it's the week-to-week and the day-to-day successes. You know, we've never had a $0 day. Um, I've always had a good customer base from day one. Um, Store has been, I mean, I'm not going to say it's been profitable from day one, but it's never been a huge money sink. It's just been a solid experience from start to finish um, without anything hugely successful, but nothing really hugely unsuccessful either. Okay. That was going to be my follow-up question. If, uh, you know, we just talked about what's your proudest moment if that's the the details of just the average day-to-day that's that's good right because that's just excellence all around 
what's the what's like something that you've I don't want to say regret, but what's something that you failed at that you like you didn't uh, didn't account for with your business plan that you kind of wish you did? The amount of labor that goes into running a store. That was the thing that I have yet to really just get my head around. Um, I think we've always been behind on something. And it was definitely, I never expected this much labor. Um, you know, I go into some of the other stores and, you know, you see the owners just standing there. And I wonder how they do it because there's always something to be done. I could close the store for three months and work 40 hours a week for the entire three months and not get caught up. Um, so I think that that's, that's what I totally missed was how much work goes into this. And it's something I sit down with every interviewee mm -hmm. when I, they're applying for the job. It's like, look, you don't realize how much labor is involved. You think comic and game store, you think playing games and reading comics. And it's not just that you have to step up to full retail. There's more work here than any retail job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> fun and games aren't fun and games. It's a lot of work. <laughs> How many employees do you have? That's an interesting question. How many people do you manage? So right now I have four. Um, that's on a fairly temporary basis. I just lost an employee um, to medical issues uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm replacing him with two other people. He was full-time and had a lot of responsibilities. So divvying that workload between the two of them bringing on a new person because I was going to be hiring for a new position anyway. Um, and then probably a couple of temp jobs over the summer. So I'm going to go from four to nine here in the next couple of weeks. More than doubling. That's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's the... Uh What's the training process look like for new employees? How do you integrate them and show them the ropes? Uh, I will tell you when I figure that out. <laughs> Honestly, managing people has not been my strong suit. Um, I have, I've always been the guy that's in the background, not the guy that's in the middle of the social crowd. And so the whole leadership thing is difficult for me. Um, also figuring out where that balance between you know, between discipline and, and this, you know, this is my life. This is a piece of their life. They're going to bring something different to it than I am. And they're going to be less invested for the most part. So how do I manage my expectations of myself versus them? Um, how do I discipline employees when something's gone wrong? How do I fix something without having to discipline an employee? Because that's the best way. Um, and those have all been issues that I've done less than stellar with at times. Mm. That um, would be a sticking point for sure. Yeah. As far as training them, you know, we've got some procedures in place. Every employee that I brought on has required something different as far as training goes. Okay. Um, I don't have this well put together process. I really need to, and we'll be working on that in the next couple of weeks so that it's smoother for this next group because I can't put the kind of attention into it, but everybody has things that they pick up quickly and things that they don't. So, you know, you go through everything, you see what they pick up and then you re go over the things that they missed. Mm. Um, that's really been the way I train. Uh, we do weekly meetings. We have a series of documents that they can read through and, and whatnot. Um, but it's really been trial by fire, especially since, you know, I'm only two and a half years old. A lot of the jobs that I brought in are things that didn't exist before. You know, I just brought in a miniatures guy. I haven't had somebody just to deal with miniatures before. I don't know what that means. So training him to run miniatures, I don't know. We're going to try something. And when that fails, we're going to try something different. Um, bringing in someone to do outreach is a completely different game. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the jobs I bring in have some sort of specific task attached to them. You know, this person is retail, but they're retail on the comic side, or this person's retail on the collectible card game side, or this guy is my behind the scenes guy. So every job is 
been different to a large extent, and I haven't had to replace a lot of people who had a job already. Um, if that makes sense, yeah, everybody's the kind of as you go creating along. their own little niche in in the store, so it makes training difficult. Yeah, you kind of have to make it up on the fly as you create them. So what do you look someday, for? Someday I will have enough experience and enough backlog that there will be something better to tell you. But right now that's, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, what do you look for when you're hiring somebody? When somebody comes in and says, I want to work for you, you know, what, uh, what kind of traits in the person do you want to find? Do you want to see for the, whatever position you're hiring in? Um, again, a little bit of that is whatever position I'm hiring them in. For the most part, the people that apply to work here are people that I know. Mm. Um, so when somebody comes to interview, this isn't my first time meeting them. Mm. Um, it's a regular customer for the most part. And so I already have a lot of knowledge about who they are. Um, I need somebody that's going to be able to lead to some extent because they're probably going to be in charge of a group of people. Um, they're probably mm. going to have a game that they get to play and, and, you know, a group that they need to lead, um, especially within the store where when they say that this is how something needs to go, they need other people to be able to follow them, whether it's this is the product that you want to buy or this is, you know, us playing the game by these rules to include everybody type thing. Um, but honestly, what I'm looking for in the interview usually is secondary to what I've already know about the person. Okay. Have you ever found it kind of uh, difficult hiring people that you know or like customers? It's actually more difficult not hiring them. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the resumes and the applications that I have now. I just did more interviews than I've ever done in my life. And I've got more people that I want to give jobs than there are jobs. And there are more people that are qualified to be here that I think have what it takes than there are positions. And this isn't McDonald's. When you get turned down from working here, it's not like, oh, well, I dodged a bullet because my life would have sucked and I would have hated it. Like I said, these, these are regulars. These are people that have already decided that they want to be here, that they enjoy the store, that they enjoy what we do. And so when I have to say no, it's a rejection that hurts a lot more than uh than I wish it did. Mm. Um, I have had customers that have stopped coming in as much when they haven't gotten jobs after making it through the interview process. And I can definitely feel it. Like there's, there's a, they feel a little bit rejected. They feel like they weren't good enough. And it's not always that they weren't good enough. It may have just been that there was just someone better or that I had to choose between two people that were really good, but one had the skills for a specific niche that the other person was missing. Yeah. That is one of the toughest parts of, of hiring for sure. You're, you're almost always going to hurt somebody, especially with the, what you're doing is that like, they're already so passionate about the hobby that this is probably to some extent, like almost a dream job compared to, you know, the yeah. average cashier somewhere in retail, right? Like this, Working at the nerd store would obviously be 10 times better, perhaps. And to not get the job would be maybe 10 times worse. But can't make everyone happy. That's yeah. <laughs> the sad fact. Can't hire everyone. Yeah. So, But yeah, hiring, hiring people that I know is easy. I, I already know what to expect from them. And usually to a very large extent, they live up to what I know and expect from them. So... Hiring them's easy. It's not hiring them that's hard. Good, good answer. Okay, so you mentioned uh, that you've done quite a bit of marketing on Facebook. Marketing in general. What what do you normally? Uh, what do you spend the most time on? What's your best like marketing channel? What do you find is the most effective? I mean, Facebook is the most effective. Dollar for dollar, Facebook is the most effective. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't even always require dollars. Um, you know, you find something that people are engaged in. It takes very little for that to, to go big. Um, we, we have a very large Facebook presence 
Um, not necessarily just our Facebook page, which is, I mean, we have something like 6,100 likes on it, which makes us one of the larger Facebook followings. But we also run something like 30 Facebook groups for the individual groups within the store, hmm. um, ranging anywhere from 15 people in some of our smaller groups to 200 in the, our magic group. Um, Facebook is probably the thing that made the store go at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have people that quote the site, the every door direct mail um, flyer that we bring or that I sent out as well. So I did see other things, but Facebook's the biggest. That's the lever that makes things move. Yes. So did you do all of that yourself? Um, the Facebook? Yeah. Um, I mean, I set it up by myself. I actually didn't own a Facebook account before I started trying to open the store. Uh, Facebook, I, I opened Facebook for the store. Um, I put money into it before I opened just randomly. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like, hey, you know, let's let's post this for 10 bucks, get a little bit bigger opening. And that 10 bucks went a real long way as far as likes and engagements. So I started doing that on a regular basis. Um, we also do outreach events. We do, um, I do a radio show once a week. Um, we work with other businesses. Um, we've tried newspapers and advertisements in brochures. We do, um, community things like charity auctions and stuff like that. So we do a lot of different things, but Facebook's the majority of it. Okay. And before we go a little bit further, what's the name of the show if uh, the listeners want to check it out? The Nerd Show. The Nerd Show? Yeah. And just Google The Nerd Show? Um, so I didn't choose the name of it. Um, the radio station actually approached me. So if you Google The Nerd Show, you're going to come up with like three or four different ones. If you go to facebook.com backslash Evil Overlord Show, you okay. can find it. Or if you look up 1310KFKA, nerd show you can find that um you will have to forgive how unknowledgeable i am on some of the subjects but yeah okay cool not sure how deep to go into it but like i think facebook is a is an excellent marketing channel obviously it's working very well for you and i think it could work very well for other game store owners as well it's just they have to kind of know how to use it properly so have you found like there's best practices, like you said, you talk, you talked about uh, boosting posts as part of your strategy. So there are definitely best practices, but they also shift. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook's policies shift quite often and the way that they reach customers changes from month to month. Um, so the best practices now are different than they were a few months ago. If you're wanting to conserve your money or you're wanting to really maximize your money, look to see which posts get some traction without boosting them. Mm-hmm. And really put your money behind those. Um, if you get a post that hits 800 people without putting a dollar behind it, a little bit of money is going to take it a long ways. Um, events used to be really good ways to reach people because it used to be every time you're invited to an event, you got full Facebook notifications. Um, I've noticed that I'm getting about the same penetration on an event as I used to, uh, or as I do on other things now. So events don't have the same sort of penetration. Um, People like something that fits in their newsfeed. They're going to pay attention to something that feels like a post more than an ad. Mm. But if you're not promoting your store, you know, I, I follow quite a few stores and some of them post nothing but, you know, pop culture and fun, funny gifts and stuff like that. They do nothing for the store. I, I, I have to always look, why am I getting this in my newsfeed? Oh, it's it's a store I'm following. So there has to be a balance between what people want to see in their newsfeed mm-hmm. and what people are going to actually use to go to your store or whatnot. Um, I find piles of new things is the best reach. Um, new comics for the week usually does pretty well, but if there's a new wall of comics or there's a giant pile of games or something like that, those do the best. Um, 
last year for Free Comic Book Day, I posted 30, 40 posts about Free Comic Book Day before I find one, found one that took off. And it was the picture of all the comics spread out where people could just see tables and tables of free comics. And that was the one that got people excited. And that was the one that I put all my money behind. Um, Interesting. So there's definitely that. Find your your target. You know, I know some stores that only do targeted marketing. Um, I do a mix. I do targeted marketing for some things and general marketing for others. Um, people that aren't within my normal demographic will often still respond, join Facebook groups, you know, and show up even if it's only a couple times a year. But spending too much money trying to hit them is money that's because they're only going to show up a few times a year. It's where I really utilize my groups a lot more. Everybody in the Nerd Store Magic group is probably interested in magic, probably in the area. So, so posting in there is going to be something that I can post more specific to them. Also, you know, sometimes I go through stores pages and it's nothing but magic. It's nothing but events. It's nothing but, you know, if that's all your store is, that's fine. But some of these stores I know are a lot more and they only try to push the things that they think are going to get some traction, but it scares off everybody else. Make your Facebook presence a reflection of your store. If you are a magic only store, magic only is great. If you do magic and board games and everything you post about is magic, you're scaring off all your board game customers because they see that as your priority. Facebook, something that I've learned, like I said, that was kind of what launched my business. And definitely a lot of my success comes from me utilizing Facebook. Well, when the rules change, you have to keep up with it or else, I mean, my money starts to do nothing. Mm. So how much do you typically spend on like marketing for your store, like on a monthly basis ballpark? Um, I was spending about 700 a month, uh, the show is a little bit more. I'm closer to 1200 a month now, which is well below what you should be spending on a retail store. Again, Facebook money goes so far. I don't have to spend the same amount of money as I planned. They say 3% of your gross sales, which I think I'm less than 1%. So I no, I'd have to do math. I am more than 1%, but I'm, I'm short okay. of the 3% number. So. Yeah, an absolute dollar value is a good place to be anyways, or a good uh, good place to start. And part of that is if it's working, right? Like if you're saying that the, the Facebook money is going far enough to get you what you were hoping for with your marketing, technically that's better in a way because you're getting I, a uh, cheaper, you know, cheaper lead essentially. Actually, I just did the math. I am exactly at 3% right now. So Perfect. I, was, I was short, but I have upped it. So Gotcha. That's uh, that's good to know because I know a lot of game stores might not spend anything on marketing necessarily. They just hope for purely organic reach, and that's that's putting your eggs in the wrong basket. Personally, I think. Well, and it goes back to the business plan. Who are you trying to reach? Mm. Magic, magic players will find the magic stores in the area. The moms and dads that are wanting board games that have never heard of it before won't go seeking you out. And so we're, I'm a muggle friendly store. I have a lot of people that haven't been as, you know, as accustomed to this kind of store before. A lot of people, it's their first time playing magic. It's their first time playing board games. It's their first time reading comics and stuff. And those people you have to market to the gamers mainstream. Yeah. The gamers will find you. It's the mainstream that that you have to actively find. And, you know, that's where most marketing is. And that's also where location comes in big and stuff like that and presentation. So, okay. And is your location central? Is that like you get a lot of foot traffic? Is that part of the part of the plan? It's decent and it's getting better. Um, I'm in downtown for my town, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a. area under revitalization one street over from me has been fully revitalized i'm kind of the next streets that they're trying to work on um i guess basically either either direction from that first street that they really vitalize so 
in some ways I've got a lot of good traffic. In other ways, I'm the first retail, big retail um, shop on the street. So I'm kind of the destination, but it's in a place that is friendly and safe and within walking distance of the big retail. So, And that, uh, that didn't cost you too much in, uh, in the case of rent when you were negotiating? Um, no, my landlord really wanted to see revitalization. Um, okay. They own a lot of the area. They're also very heavily invested for philanthropy reasons. I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> um, into revitalizing the area. So they were actually more interested in what I was going to bring as far as um, improving the area um, mm. and drawing people to the space. So they required my business plan. They read through that. They had some stipulations more on how the business was run than how much I paid them. So I actually got a pretty decent rate. I got very lucky mm -hmm. because of that. Um, and one of the things is, is that my being here improves the value on the space. They have since sold the space next to me to a pizza joint. Um, they still own the space on the other side as well as several other um, spaces on the street. So hopefully people like me help bring up their values. So there's my value or my cost wasn't that high because I do other things for them. Okay. Well, what were some of the conditions that they wanted? Uh, funny enough, none of them are things that they followed through on. Um, <laughs> I had to get approval on all the posters that went into the window before I could hang anything in the window, um, which lasted until about three weeks before I opened. I submitted the first poster to get reviewed, and they came down to the door and said, look, don't, don't actually do it. <laughs> said but if anything ever was something they didn't approve of they would use that stipulation against me gotcha um couldn't have piles of garbage in the basement which if you've seen my basement is really exactly what has happened um but again it, was, know, it looks clean it was, to me looks great yeah i just organized the shelves back here it, okay <laughs> there's a reason i mean i mean this way instead of that way gotcha. <laughs> um but you know it's it's again they wanted to see a professional business in mm. there's there's definitely the stigma of what a comic and game store can be and most of the things were things against that happening um most of the stipulations that they had i just laughed and said yeah that wouldn't do that anyway yeah. that's not what i want to be um i think there are stipulations i have to keep my my lights changed and and things like that i have to keep the store clean and you know things that i want to do anyway yeah the basics of running an actual business, not a yes, and, and that's really what it is. They wanted an actual business. They didn't want a clubhouse. Mm. They didn't want a scary place that people didn't want to bring their kids. They wanted something fr family friendly, and as long as that's what I'm providing, I think I could probably break every rule that they put in on that if it was possible to do both at the same time. Sounds like you got a pretty good situation going on. A lot of things really lined up for this place. They did. They did. And, you know, there's a lot of luck that was involved in that. Um, I, I can't take credit for it all. But like I said, I negotiated multiple retail spaces before I found this one. Um, I had the business plan in place. Um, ironically, in one of the spaces that I negotiated for, the landlord wanted more than could sustain this business. And about mm -hmm. two months after I opened, a competitor opened there. They have long since gone, mm. you know, and it was one of those things. I knew that that space couldn't support me with what they were asking and it proved to be true. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of luck, a lot of things fell into place. I worked very hard to make as many of those fall into place as possible. I can't say that working hard is going to allow all of these things to fall into place. But, you know, the store that somebody comes up with the idea and two months later they're open hasn't done the footwork required. And if they do have such things as I have, it's entirely out of luck. Again, you could put in as much work as me and not end up with, with what I had. I did get a lot of luck in there, but there's also You're a lot of the hard scale work. towards your favor rather than the guy who, you know, 
I'm going to open a game store. And then a couple months later, they're like, yeah, I got one now. Yeah, the uh, the luck is going in the other direction for them. Yeah. They have uh, far less odds of pulling out past a year, I guess. So, there's one question that it's kind of difficult to answer for a lot of game store owners, but it's something that uh, I'm sure you've considered, and it's the idea of success. So, it's kind of like a nebulous term, right? It's different for everybody. So, what is success? Like, what is a successful game store look like to you? Like, what does the nerd store being a success mean? Two very different questions. Mm. A, a successful game store. So I posted something on my wall about, you know, step one of opening a store is have a business plan. One of my friends posted in response in the business plan, you need to define what failure looks like. And I think that that's something I may have overlooked because I still don't know exactly what success and failure looks like for me. Um, Mm. But what's successful for me and what's successful for somebody else is going to be different. I know that there are stores that do what I would consider a failure for my store and are consider themselves extremely successful because of it. I also know stores that would look at me and see my store and not see giant success because I'm not bringing home the pay that they think an owner of a store should take home. Um, And so the real answer to what's a successful game store is, is that's up to the owner. Do they want to keep the bills on? Do they want to make people happy? Do they want to bring home lots of money? Um, And to some extent, you can do all of those. Obviously, if you're bringing home lots of money and you're not keeping the lights on, something's gone wrong (laughs) in the equation. Um, But you kind of have, every owner has to define it for themselves, which is probably why you ask all of us. Yeah. Everyone gets Uh, a different answer. It's interesting. For me, I don't see success as a point in in space that I can get to. It's Mm. more of a hallway. That one end of the hallway is success. One end of the hallway is where I'm at. And this hallway goes on forever. Um, I need to keep moving down the hallway. Store grows. My pay some point in time increases. You know, um the store looks better than it does the, you know, every, every time something improves, the store's more successful. And I'm not sure that there's a point in time where I just see the end and see success. Um, I think that there's always less successful behind me, hopefully behind me and more successful in front of me. Um, store has to be able to pay you something. You have to take home something. Most people, I think, would say that it has to be a living wage or something that you could get elsewhere. Not to that point yet, but that's one of those points in front of me. Um, It has to be something that people enjoy for me. It doesn't have to be the coolest store that they've ever been to. It doesn't have to be they do this the greatest or whatnot. But it does need to be some place that people want to be, that people want to come back to, that people want to support. Um, it needs to be nice. It needs to be clean. It's not the nicest store in the world. It's not the cleanest store in the world. But all of those things are subjective points that I have to hold myself to. Um if I ever have the best game store in the world, then I guess I can probably be at the end of the hallway. At that point, I should probably be opening more stores. Yeah, it's a it's a tough thing to define. And like you said, the the flip of that is what does failure look like? But yeah, success is if 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 that's your measure of success, that's a tough spot to be in because it's it's this never ending ideal right like it's trying to attain perfection right there's value in pursuing it you're never going to reach it though right so there's a you have to be able to look back and take stock of what you've achieved and be proud of it too right yeah and you know honestly success is that it's doing what i need for it to be there tomorrow and it's improving in some way my life 
Um, you know, I've got a lot of money into this, but right now my store is worth more than what I owe on it. My store is worth more than what I've put into it. My take home pay is not where it needs to be, but I can see where the path to that is. And so I'm not at a failure because I haven't shut out the abilities to do all of the things that I need to do. Yeah, you're on a growth path and your future is still bright. So yeah, it's not bad. At least you'll get there at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> and that, in theory. And barring some catastrophe or something, but is your store at the profitability point and how long did it take to to break even? Uncle Sam thought that I started making money about month six. Um the way that taxes look at, at profitability includes product growth in the U.S., um, which I think is actually different in Canada. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, actually, I think it was you talking with Gordon that that he was talking about how he can invest in inventory without taking a tax hit. Yeah. Um, so I lost... $300 in 2014 from my calculations, which is pretty darn break even for me. Yeah. Um, tenth of a percent of gross sales. Um, 2015 is going to look pretty similar as far as paper and pencil goes after I've paid myself and whatnot. But I'm also taking whatever extra money there is and investing it back into the store, um, new shelves, pay down credit card debt, all of those things. So I could, if I had to, I mean, going back to that same number, starting six months in, I could have started bringing home more money. So I guess in a lot of ways, that's where it broke even and started being successful. Um, honestly, for me, I've really felt it the last four or five months where you know, there's actually a decent sum of money that I get to choose. Do I take this home? Do I pay down a chunk of debt? Do I improve the store? And so for me, I would say it was about two year mark that really felt like financially growth. It wasn't things I had to put into the store as in my mind as much as choices. That's not bad. Two years is pretty good. Some businesses take three, four, five years to reach a point where they can pay the owners. Sometimes they have to like skate the entire way and hopefully uh, the business picks up the pace. So two years is not bad. And especially if you're that on that probably, growing path and the surplus keeps getting bigger, that's great. Yeah. And that, that surplus will probably completely disappear when I bring on five employees here. <laughs> but that's um, just another reinvestment. It, and, and that's, and that's exactly what it is. It was a choice to reinvest. And honestly, for me, I, like I said, I spent 120 hours a week here for the first few weeks Mm. and I did a hundred hour weeks for about six months. I like putting the money into employees so that I don't have to be here as much. Yeah. Um, at this point, that's part of my success is getting to stay home. If I choose to, you know, I still do all the pre-orders. Um, so there's still quite a bit of work. It's 20 something hours a week mm. between comics and games. Um, but I can do that from home. Um, unless somebody calls in sick or something needs to be fixed or changed or whatnot, I can, for the most part, stay home when I'm fully staffed. I still end up here about 50 hours a week, but that's yeah. more choice than it is anything. So that's a good place to be. And you don't want to be forced to man your shop because then you've basically just built a job for yourself and a job that doesn't necessarily pay you as well as a job that someone else could get you. But uh, yeah, being able to trust your employees and not have to be there all the time is pretty much, I would think where you want to be, if you want it to be a choice. And, you know, again, it comes down to you choose your success. Yeah. I could have more money by working more hours. I cho- I ch- I'm choosing less hours right now so hey your time has a value too yeah yeah hopefully i'll get to choose both one eventually right that's the that's the goal keep going and eventually you get both so uh yeah a few like closing out questions there's some 
some tricky ones, I think. And one of them is if you had to do everything over again, if you had to rewind, rewind the clock and you were looking at uh, reopening the place, is there anything you would do differently? I would have spent more of the time while I was working on the business plan, working a full-time job and putting away some of that money so that when I opened, mm-hmm. I opened with larger amount of money in the bank account. That's honestly the big thing. Uh, I read all of Gary Ray's blog from Black Diamond Games before I opened. He made a lot of mistakes for me. You know, again, that comes down to that that long business plan. I got to learn from other people's mistakes, so I haven't stepped in as hard as I could have anywhere. And I think that the mistakes that I've made are ones that I can live with. No regrets. Only minor regrets. Only minor regrets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another good one is, do you have a big, hairy, audacious goal for this job? Do you have something that you maybe, you know, you don't tell everybody, but like you have this big dream that you're living, that you're hoping to achieve at some point? I have lots of them, and sometimes they're mutually exclusive. Um, mm. <laughs> I'd really like to open something larger. Like a larger um, game store or... Yeah. Okay. Um, I want multiple stores. I want to have a small chain. I want to figure out the the equation that has yet to be really broken, although we're starting to see it happen. We're starting to see people have five or six stores that they're running successfully. But I really want to open something huge. Like I said, originally the plan had so many more things. Um, I'd like to open in a larger market. My market couldn't... Ex- couldn't hold something so large, but I'd love to see something size of a Barnes and Noble that had all sorts of just nerd stuff, including possibly some books. But, you know, obviously that's, that's a ship that's sailing in a lot of ways, but I'd really like to do something huge and have something that's just this center of the community in a huge area. In a lot of ways, especially, especially since I can't think of anything that large. I mean, maybe some of the larger Hastings are the closest thing that we have to that. It'd be pretty interesting to see if the nerd store was kind of like a household name. And, you know, you say that maybe maybe we should get this, into this on one of our future you know group casts. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, Barnes and Noble and Hastings have become that. You know, I walked in Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble and saw a game selection the other day that rivals most game stores. And so, in a lot of ways, it has started to happen. But yeah, from the other side of the coin, which is interesting. Because now that you mentioned that, if there's a, a, a similar chain of stores in Canada called Chapters and Indigo. And they're bookstores. But mm-hmm. they've started to really, like, like you said, there's now just... A big pile of board games and like they sell things like settlers and uh like the the, the typical don- domain of our kind of niche is uh they're starting to reach in and expand and i think it's partially because books are not not the place to be now that amazon's kind of given everyone the squeeze you know barnes and noble around here in the u.s has started running game nights as well so they're really pushing in in our territory in a lot of ways, and it'll be interesting to see how the industry adapts or responds. Mm. Something to keep in mind in the future, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any specific advice for somebody who's looking to opening a, opening a game store sometime in the near future? Say, the next 6 to 12 months, someone's listening to the show, and they're like, oh, I'm going to open a, open a shop. Is there something you would tell them? You need three things to open a store. Luck, money, and knowledge. Um, You can affect, to some extent, all of those. Affect them as much as possible. And the more you have of one, the less you can have of the others. So like I said, if I could do it again, I would have spent more time working a full-time job, setting aside money. I would suggest that. Put aside as much money as possible. Do the business plan. You know, you asked what my big regrets were, and I didn't have a lot Mm -hmm. because I had the plan put together. I knew what I was doing to a large extent, as much as you can before you actually get into it before I opened. Um, and that saved me a lot of mistakes and a lot of headache. And then luck, like we talked about, 
you know, luck is in fact luck, but there were a lot of ways that I affected that by doing my work and working hard and doing my diligence. So yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you get. If you, yeah. If you're relying on luck by itself and you don't have the knowledge or the money, you're going to fail or more probable. Yeah. Roll as many natural twenties as you can. Is there anything, any parting words that, uh, you want to pass on to anybody listening at this point? Yeah, it's it's a lot more work than you think it is. That's Whatever perfect. you think it is, double it and then add some. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Okay, and if uh, if the listeners want to come visit you, if they want to find you online, where do they do that? Um, my best online presence is the uh, Facebook page. It's backslash. It's facebook.com backslash the nerd store. Um, you can also find me like like I said on the uh, radio show thirteen ten KFKA the Nerd Show, and that's more of the comics and pop culture stuff that we talk about there. And then, um, if you're in the Northern Colorado area, come visit me at eight zero seven Eighth Street, uh, Greeley, Colorado. Perfect. Okay, thanks, Travis, for coming on the show and sharing your story. This uh, it's been great. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. All right, I want to thank you for checking out another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I also want to thank Travis Perry for coming on the show and sharing his insights and his story with us. If you're in Colorado, definitely give the Nerd Store a visit. And if you're on Facebook anytime soon, you should uh, go and find them and give their page a like if you want to see what it looks like for a game store to know what they're doing with Facebook marketing. Now, if you want to become a patron, if you want to support the Metaverse Podcast, you can become a patron on patreon.com slash Podcast. There, every dollar you pledge to the show goes into making bigger, better content. In exchange, you can get early access to Metaverse Podcast episodes, you can get shoutouts, and at the highest tier, you can get access to a weekly Google Hangout where you'll have a chance to ask me all sorts of questions about running the store, creating the podcast, whatever you feel like. I'm your captive for that that time period. Uh, you can also go to maniversesaga.com slash support, and there you can pick up a sweet Maniverse podcast t-shirt. Uh, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>